Hello, and welcome to Calming the Chaos with Tracy Canella, licensed mental health counselor at Lokahi Counseling. This podcast provides tips, tools, and techniques to help people who are overwhelmed, stressed out, anxious, depressed, angry, or struggling with an addiction, eating disorder, or relationship problems. Through my personal stories, experiences, and training, my intention is to offer you new ways of coping with mental chaos and moving toward a calmer, more peaceful life. As you listen to this podcast, just know that although I am a licensed mental health counselor, this podcast is not a substitute for counseling or psychotherapy. So if you're really struggling with something and you don't have a counselor, I strongly recommend that you find a licensed mental health counselor in your area to help. You can do this by calling your local crisis line or by going to www.psychologytoday.com and doing a search for counselors in your area. That being said, now let the chaos begin. This episode of Calming the Chaos is called Silver Linings, and I'll be talking to Laura Valencourt, licensed mental health counselor in Washington State. Laura works with elders and their caregivers, providing them with resources and help through the healthcare system. We'll be talking about how Laura is calming the chaos within herself and her clients in this state of events that is happening with COVID-19 and the increased vulnerability of all of her clients. Let's listen in. Well, so welcome. We are here with Laura Valencourt, and she is the owner and founder of Elder Care Counseling and Guidance Services. She is a licensed mental health counselor in Olympia, Washington, and she helps families navigate, plan, and uh, she guides them through the healthcare system for elders. And she helps them make decisions and provides counseling, care, and consultations to them. Welcome, Laura, to Calming the Chaos. This is a video version and also an audio version. So you are a groundbreaker for me. And thank Woo-hoo. you for joining me. <laughs> Thanks, Tracy. <laughs> yeah. And so we have just been talking, actually, Laura and I are really good buddies. And we started out in this journey together, probably three or four years ago, something like that, yeah. when we were just inundated with clients and wanted to know what we would do to refer out and meet the needs of the community and Olympia. And then we became mastermind buddies together mm-hmm. and started to manifest our dreams. And oh my goodness, now we're here. Here we are. <laughs> here we are. And I think both of us are going through a fair amount of chaos being mental health counselors in a time like this. And uh, Laura, I've just been talking to about her own particular chaotic situation that she has. And you know, I just wanted to be able to have you share a little bit with the counselors and other people out there what you are going through and how you are managing this. Oh, thanks, Tracy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not often we get invited to just talk about our own chaos as therapists. <laughs> um, and I imagine that I'm not alone either. I, everything I'm sure that I'm going to talk about is very much um, relatable to probably a lot of small business owners or group practice owners or um, individual therapists or, you know, folks that are just trying to get by through these times. But 
Yeah. So, so for me, um, you gave such a great introduction. Um, my specialty is working with the aging population. And um, so I have clients that I see that are older adults. Um, many of my clients are older adults. And so they are living in situations right now that are definitely, they're, they're being impacted tremendously. The other um, big population of folks that I work with are caregivers. So they're family members that are caring for an aging loved one. And boy, you know, as you can imagine, <laughs> people that are caring for someone they love and now suddenly are being limited in their ability to access those loved ones, or they are, um, for lack of a better word, stuck at home and can't get out. And so they're um, needing to be caring for their loved one and, and they are feeling more isolated uh, as far as accessing outside support. <clears throat> so as a professional that serves both of these populations, um, my team has been really, our hands have been really tied in being able to access folks and make sure they're getting the support they need, especially during a time like this. Um, so normally, <laughs> when we're not in this crisis, my team provides counseling. So um, we are there to support um, folks emotionally. Again, whether you're a caregiver caring for someone else in your home, or you're a caregiver uh, from a distance, or you have a loved one living in a facility, we're there providing counseling for those individuals, as well as providing counseling to the older adult who's going through often so much change and um, loss and transition. But then I, I have a team, so my business also provides care management services. And so I have a team that really acts like a surrogate family member, someone that's there to hold your hand and walk you through the decision-making and implementing services that you may need and educating about um, diagnoses or medications or so there's there's a lot of different things that comes with the world of you know working in the aging population and then the third thing that I really do a lot of is just consulting I have families that are lost they don't know where to turn they have nobody's an expert in you know how to grow old or what we need to do to prepare for that so I do a lot of consulting. So I'll meet with families one-on-one -on -one and we can really zero in on what their particular issues are and, and they can walk away with some really clear next steps and some really you know good education about what to do and how to move forwards. Well, and so that's on a normal day or that's on a normal day. Time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How has your practice changed since this whole COVID-19 oh. stuff has happened? Well, as you know, as everyone knows, this kind of happened, it feels like overnight, the speed in which all of this has taken effect. And then we also know that, um, you know, in Seattle, Washington is kind of where those first cases were found, and they were found in a skilled nursing facility. And you add on top of that, that the most vulnerable population is our um, older adults or those with um, immune problems. And so they're immunocompromised. So um, right off the bat, as we again, all know, the facilities and hospitals really um, took major precautions, you know, to protect their loved ones. And one of the most heartbreaking things about all of this really is that 
our aging population already combats isolation and loneliness, whether it's because that population has lost loved ones because of their you know, aging or disease, but they also have significant amount of loss in their physical abilities, whether that's their vision or their ability to walk or their hands may not work well enough to utilize technology or call people and so, um, and, or your memory is compromised. And so there's so many layers and layers of loss and challenges that contribute to the isolation of this population. Mm. So what we've seen is in our community's attempt to protect our most vulnerable, they are also being really put at risk of, of having that uh, emotional, that backlash of the isolation. So for many of the facilities that my clients live in, they are not allowed to uh, eat together, have activities together, socialize. There, there's been different stages and every facility has their own rules and regulations that they're following, which is changing sometimes by the hour, as you can imagine. But they, you know, some facilities really are the older adults are living in their apartment and not seeing anyone. And that's so troubling. In the memory care facilities, it's even more of a concern because we know that people that have dementia or memory impairment really do not do well with change at all. And so it's, it's crucial to keep someone's routine regular. So those facilities, you know, really everybody is doing the best job that they can. There, there's no criticism at all to how this is happening. It's just the, the reality of protecting our aging folks against this exposure to this virus versus the, the downfall is that we're increasing that sense of isolation and um, decreasing their ability to connect with family members and friends and have their regular routine. So it's, it's just been heartbreaking. And then the flip side is the caregivers and family members are feeling so at a loss on how to support their loved one. They're not allowed to go in and see them. They're not allowed to have the regular visits and, and be their advocate in the facility. And so there's a lot of helplessness and, and isolation going on for both sides of that. Yeah. How do you help the caregivers to deal with that? If there is somebody who is on lockdown and they're not able to see their loved ones, their caregivers, they're in a facility and they're not able to receive visitors, how do you work with that? Because it's I, what I heard is it's all about loss. Yes, it's, a, it's about yes. loss on a bunch of levels. There was already loss to begin with, and now there's further mm -hmm. loss or further chaos and change. But how do you help those people who are caregivers who are help, feeling very helpless right now? Oh, yes. That's the big question, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so, you know, this is a situation that not many of us have, you know, none of us have control over the, the external situation, but we do have control over how we react to that and um, how we choose to work with that and how we choose to look at it. So I guess one main thing is to really just remember that there are areas that we can control. So I think that people 
tend to, you know, feel helpless and hopeless when they don't feel that there's a sense of control, you know, in their lives or their out, the outcome of the situation. And so one of the main things that, you know, that I've been encouraging a lot of my clients to do is to really reframe this situation. Um, again, we know that we can't change what's happening, but we can absolutely control how we think about it. So when we reframe something, we accept that what is, is, and we're choosing to look at it in a different light. So I encourage my family members to consider what might be the benefit of a situation like this. And we're able to brainstorm sometimes the beauty of the amazing professional caregivers that are providing the care in the facility and the opportunity for those caregivers to really, and I've heard this just firsthand, you know, from a lot of these professional care providers, what a bonding experience this has been for them and their patients. And that these teams of professionals, whether it's in the hospital or a nursing home or memory care facility are having this opportunity to really come together and be protective and, you know, be, be better advocates for their their um, clients. Mm. Also, in the reframing, we talk about reframing in the sense of a family member and a professional caregiver are all part of a care team. And so seeing yourself as a family member as part of the team can be helpful too. It can help uh, a caregiver not feel like they're so isolated in being the only advocate for their loved one. And so some some family members have brought care packages to the facility for the professionals. And, oh, man, that goes over so well, these professionals that are struggling with their own personal lives and the kids are out of school and they're juggling childcare and their work. And so, yeah, reframing, I think, is a really important piece of, of this work. Yeah, I was actually thinking of, and weren't we talking about silver linings to certain situations? So (laughs) there's the dark clouds, every dark cloud is a silver lining. So the silver linings to all of this could be that the staff is is going to be acting as more of a a family member because the family members and caregivers can't get into the facilities. And are, are, are most of the facilities able to accept, like I was thinking, like a handwritten note or a letter, just letters every day or care packages. And I don't know if those are allowed directly from caregivers to facilities so that mm-hmm. they can give them to loved ones. Yeah, yeah, actually, um, of course, you know, a big part of surviving this is to stay connected, right? We, we know that isolation is happening physically, but we we don't want people to feel isolated socially, you know, non-physically, I guess. And there are ways to do that. And like your idea is uh, wonderful. And a lot of people, um, a lot of people in our community, our lovely community of Olympia, Washington, um, have volunteered and are donating handwritten notes and letters and cards. And so absolutely, those things can be taken to the facilities. What they typically do is they sanitize them, you know, they'll spray them down with, you know, their sanitizing sprays and let them sit for a period of time before they bring them in. Yeah, those things are appreciated. Another helpful thing is using technology when able. I know that there's the facility in town that went out and bought all of their residents' iPads. 
so that they could communicate with family members, um, which is unbelievable. I mean, that's going way above and beyond and a uh, neat thing to hear. But they're helping the residents install Zoom or FaceTime and um, letting family members know about that. Another thing that I'm doing is we are able, because of technology, we're able to offer some of the groups that I would normally do. We're launching them online as well so that some of the support groups in the facilities that I run, we're going to join on Zoom as a group together. So each older adult will be in their room, but they'll feel connected and part of the community. And then some of the family support groups as well. They're not able to get in to see their family members, but we are still able to have our support group online and feel connected. And Wow. Yeah, I was wondering about the technology piece with the uh, older and the elderly yeah. and how they could maneuver through that if they don't have any idea maybe even what an iPad is or how to use it. Right. So that's where the staff comes in, I believe, probably just yeah. getting them all set up yep. so that they can see everybody, every, all their buddies. You know, it's so fun, Tracy, I got to tell you, like, I have several 90 plus year olds that are so tech savvy. <laughs> you know, they have their iPhone, they have their apps, they have their games. I, you know, clients that text and and then there are some in their 60s that are, you know, people that are shy away from technology. And so really, it's been a real reminder to me that everybody is at a different place, you know, a comfort level with technology. And the beauty is our technology is becoming simpler, really, more user-friendly. So there are some things, so I run a, a, my friend and I run a Facebook group called Get in the Lifeboat, and it's for dementia caregivers. And so we've been having a lot of discussions in that Facebook group about technology and how to stay connected. Another fun one that popped up in that group was there are postcards that you, so you or I could download an app and um, choose a picture from your phone and you can send it. It will be delivered as a postcard to your loved one's mailbox. Oh. And you can type a little note and the postage is all included like in the app. So it's literally, you know, um, a push of a button for you to send a postcard to someone. And that I, I know that I have clients, families that use that and, and, you know, their loved ones just love that because, you know, that's a generation that they communicated with via mail and getting mail was always something exciting mm -hmm. <laughs> communication and connection. I believe that necessity is the mother of invention. And when we have times like this, we are forced to be creative in what we need in getting what we need. And uh, if what we need is connection with other people, then this is really a great time to be able to be creative about that. So absolutely. You, yeah, yeah, you have a, a bunch of ways to do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it sounds yeah. like. And so as far as helping the caregivers manage the chaos of having a loved one in a facility where they can't get to or visit directly because they're locked down, do you find that enlisting some of these techniques and these tools and reframing and these mm -hmm. apps and such, these support systems, do you, do you find that it lowers their, their chaos or their anxiety levels? Yeah, the, the nice thing is, so I came up with this list of five things that you can do to stay safe.
insane. I <laughs> if you saw will. that. I <laughs> Did saw you see that, that on Facebook and I liked it. It was yeah. very cool. And it's just a one pager and it was very professionally done by the way with graphics. Oh, and thank you. Yeah. It's amazing what you can do when you have time on your hands. <laughs> I think that's what you said. You yes. said on your post and I loved it actually. Yeah. yeah tell us about some of those things that are on yeah. that, that beautiful list that you created. But first, just a really quick word about another organization who helps people in times of chaos. You know, life is stressful enough without something unexpected happening, like a natural disaster. That's why I really appreciate people and organizations who volunteer their time and energy to help those in needs of unexpected disaster and loss. One such organization is World Central Kitchen, which is an organization that creates smart solutions for hunger and poverty. Their Plow to Plate program in Puerto Rico is helping to create food resiliency in the face of future disasters. And so with the help of donations, World Central Kitchen has shown that there is no place too far and no disaster too great for their chefs to be there with a hot plate of food when it's needed most. So check out World Central Kitchen at www.wck.org. So we, so I created it um, initially, it was after uh, we did a Facebook Live in our Get in the Lifeboat group. And we, and lots of people had such great ideas and other professionals that I had talked to about their clients and how they were coping. So I tried to just kind of pull all these ideas into these kind of five main categories. But the five, and we've talked about a couple of them, the, out of the five, the first one is routine. And so, you know, we are all creatures of habit as individuals. We, we just do better when we have a schedule or there's stability. It can bring us a peace of mind when we have structure. And so, and of course, again, I work with the aging population. And so what happens as people age, especially if their memory is impaired, is that that routine and structure is even more important. And so during times of chaos, for any of us, maintaining a sense of routine and structure is going to be key. So the second one we, we talked about already is to stay connected, and uh, which is so ironic in this time because so many people are being isolated. So we are being challenged as individuals to um, reach out and get creative in the ways that we are connected. So here's, here's an interesting thought that's really been up in my mind. Um, when I first started in this line of work, I mean, many, many years ago, one of the things that really hit me when I was working at a skilled nursing facility was the amount of isolation and loneliness that my clients felt. There was never privacy. They didn't have their own space. These problems just were so completely opposite. It, it, and what it showed me is that you can be, and, and I know we, we all know this, you can be surrounded by people and feel isolated and you can be surrounded by others and things to do, but not feel connected. And so I think that this is an opportunity for all of us to not have the physical people or things around us, but it's allowing us to reach out and connect in ways that we're not used to. Mm -hmm. So staying connected is that second thing. 
the third one was reframing. And we, we talked about that, just re reframing the situation. Uh, an important piece also is limiting your exposure to the negativity, like the news, being really self-aware. So that would be the fourth one is to listen. Listen to your inner guidance. Listen to your inner self. Start to pay attention to when you're feeling overwhelmed. Respect your limits and, and pay attention to what your, your personal cues are. You want to catch something before you start to spiral down that, that chaos, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, yep. anxiety or fear. Or So if you can catch that, if you're listening to yourself, you can often catch that sooner and then be really respectful about taking a break or changing your self-talk. And then the last piece was setting an intention. I love the idea of ritual and changing your mindset. And so when we are intentional about our own self-care, this is a beautiful opportunity for all of us to change the way that we've been doing things mm -hmm. and really taking a step back and looking at what's healthy and what isn't and what, what do we want to go back to, you know? <laughs> what, what do we want to welcome back into our lives and what don't we? But I, I like the idea of even just the small rituals that you can do, like every time you step into a new room, every time I go into the bathroom and shut the door, it's I take a deep breath. It's just sort of this reset moment. And so, yeah, these are opportunities for all of that. Right. You can take several breaths while you're washing your hands for 20 <laughs> seconds as well, right? Yeah. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I, and, and I see a lot of comedians and comedy coming out of this. I know that my own husband made a YouTube video just about maybe two, two minutes long about how to use a single sheet of toilet paper. It was hilarious. Yeah. I saw it. You saw it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. He's yeah. a good sport. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's been doing that for years, but then we just decided to, in this crisis of toilet paper apocalypse, we decided to go ahead and put that on YouTube for everybody to, to see. And well, gosh, I, I just love that you are so positive in this time. And just even though you are working probably with the most affected populations, the, the people who have loved ones who are the most vulnerable to this condition, who may be struggling with it, or they can't see their loved ones because of the facility lockdown, and you're giving them a Facebook group. I didn't know about the get in the lifeboat group. You did a Facebook live and you are going to also be launching your podcast very soon. It sounds like right. Life on repeat. Yeah. Life on repeat. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to go ahead and give some uh, information about not only your practice, but your Facebook group and your podcast and just plug away, my dear, because um, we want people to have these resources, especially in these times where now we have time, right? We have time yeah. to listen. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. thank you, Tracy. I appreciate that. Well, I, um, I'm just so passionate about this work and being someone that has been impacted by dementia has really, has really, really led me to um, having such a heart for people that are caring for their loved ones that, that have dementia. So that's really kind of my unique niche specialty. So a friend of mine, Lisa, she's a, a general psychologist in Florida. We started a Facebook group really because our intention was to launch a summit. We wanted to do an online summit for dementia caregivers. And we wanted to do it online because so many caregivers do not have the luxury of being able to leave their home. 
And we wanted them to access it at any time of the day or night in their PJs, you know, whatever. So um, we recruited 25 dementia experts from across the country and they recorded a presentation and then we interviewed them after their presentation. And so we launched it on Facebook, a, a private Facebook group. It went so well. And this community of people are just amazing. I love every one of them. Um, and so we decided to keep this Facebook group up and live. And we decided to keep the presentations up in there in the units tab. So anybody can join that group. If you are caring for a loved one, please consider checking us out. It's just a lovely supportive community called Get in the Lifeboat. So from that, I love listening to podcasts. I love your podcast, Tracy. (laughs) And um, I've always wanted to start a podcast. So my dream right now is to start a podcast for dementia caregivers. And I'm early on, so it hasn't launched yet. I'm hoping it will launch in the next month or two. It's called Life on Repeat. And it will be a dementia caregiver podcast, and it will feature professionals that I will interview. It will feature caregivers themselves talking about their experiences. And we will share education and resources and emotional support and self-care. I'm just really thrilled about it. So, And then I continue. I am available for consultations and consulting across state lines, so anywhere in the country. And you can find my website at eldercarecounselor.com. And you can book a session, we can have a zoom video session, or we can have a meeting over the phone, but I'm here to help guide folks. And Laura, you're just such a sweet person. I just have to say, just knowing you, uh, you're just such a lovely human being, uh, very helpful, very supportive. And I know that that is the work that you do with others your clients, and just in general, the community. I just really want to thank you for all the wonderful work that you do in in our community and beyond. Apparently, consulting can go worldwide, right? Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for being on today and take care. All right. Thank you for listening to Calming the Chaos. If the information in today's podcast has been helpful, please consider subscribing and share it with your friends. You can find the Calming the Chaos podcast at calmingthechaos.libsyn.com, which is the main website for the podcast. From this website, you can click on a variety of social media outlets to follow Calming the Chaos. You'll also find links to the podcast on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. You can also access Calming the Chaos through my website at www.lokahicounseling.com and click on the podcast page and you'll see buttons with links on how to find this podcast as well as a link to my CD called On This Day. This CD has a set of nine practices that are all under 10 minutes long that you can listen to throughout each day to help you learn the practice of mindfulness. So check it out. There's a link to the CD, which is available on Amazon, and also to digital copies of each track, which are available on Spotify and Apple Music. Again, thank you for listening to Calming the Chaos. I look forward to sharing my next podcast episode with you. In the meantime... Take care.